Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, friends, to today's episode of Everyday Truth. As we continue our study of the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 25 and verse number 13, talking specifically about the judgment of Babylon. I know that sounds odd because most of the book of Jeremiah is the promise that Babylon will be the tool by which God will judge. But remember, a God is not unrighteous that he should not deal with the sins of those who are going to be so evil to his people. So God has the prerogative of using evil nations as a tool, but God is too righteous to allow them to do so with impunity. So remember, Habakkuk was so distraught about that. He just could not understand how God would use a nation that was more unrighteous than Israel. I mean, Habakkuk of all people knew how bad his people were, and that was a burden to him. But when God told him, Habakkuk, I'm going to use Babylon to punish my people, Habakkuk was just incredulous. Well, how could you use a nation that's worse than we are, judge us for, I mean, we're not that bad. And Lord, you're not that, you you wouldn't do that. And God had to not justify himself, but explain to Habakkuk that, yes, sometimes I use these means to accomplish my purposes, but I see the bigger picture. And God in this bigger picture is dealing with Babylon as well. So verse number 13 continues that promised rebuke of punishment of Babylon. I will bring upon that land all my words which I have prophesied or pronounced against it, even all that is written in this book, which Jeremiah hath prophesied against all the nations. What a statement. God said, I will fulfill my promise of judgment against Babylon, every single word of it. And then to kind of go on record, the Lord says, every single word that is written in this book. So, The Lord is so confident of his own word, and we can be so reliant upon the word of God because God says, I'm going to do this according to what I've said, and what I've said has been written down for you to inspect. There is no greater confidence that we can have than the confidence that is derived from simply believing the written word of God. Now, a great verse to illustrate that here in verse number 13. Verse number 14, for many nations, this is Jeremiah 25 and verse 14, for many nations and great kings shall serve themselves of them also. So not only will Babylon fall, but Babylon will become a vassal nation to others. And those who had previously lorded over and those who had previously dominated will be the ones that are lorded over the ones that are dominated, the ones that have become servants. And indeed, it says that in verse 14, for many nations and the great kings shall serve themselves of them also. 
and I will recompense them according to their deeds and according to the works of their own hands. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. So Babylon will pay for in kind the way that it treated others. Verse number 15, excuse me. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel unto me. So now in verses 15, and I'm going to try to get to verse 29 today, the the Lord gives Jeremiah kind of a vision uh, of how he is going to pronounce judgment, not only upon God's people, but in the vein of what we've been talking about the last couple of days, all these other nations as well will receive a like punishment from the Lord for the way that they have ignored God, for the sins that they have committed. And and watch the illustration that uh, the Lord gives us here in verse number number 15. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel unto me, unto Jeremiah, take the wine cup of this fury at mine hand, so that the cup of God's wrath, we would say, and cause all the nations to whom I send thee to drink it. So often in the Bible, the judgment of God is pictured as the the, the wrath uh, of a wine cup, drinking the wrath of God, God serving his wrath uh, like in a cup form. I think about the, the Lord even praying at Gethsemane, let this cup pass from me, the cup of God's wrath and judgment. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. He drank that cup. Remember, remember Jesus said to uh, John and James, are, are you able to drink the cup that I give you, the cup of suffering? So here it's the cup of fury. And they shall drink these nations, verse 16, and be moved. In other words, the, other, the idea of being moved there is, is like staggering and drunkenness. They shall be moved and the Bible says, and be mad or insane because, because uh, being drunk can cause you to th- think irrationally and to do things you would never normally do. So they'll drink, they'll, they'll stagger, they'll, they'll act out of their mind because of the sword that I will send upon them. So typically, when a person drinks, they don't really know that that drink is going to have a bad effect upon them until they've drunken a lot. So it's almost as if the drink is a deceptive drink. Uh, that strong drink is deceptive because you, the more you drink, the more you want to drink, the more you want to drink, the less it's good for you, the more you're out of your mind, the more dangerous it becomes, the more shameful your behavior. And that's the way that God judges. God allows people to have what they want, but in having what they want, it becomes more and more shameful and more and more destructive. So you see in Romans chapter one, the judgment of God often takes the form of allowing people to, to, to have what they want, to drink what they want. And could it be that the judgment of God is simply the hands offness of God? Look at verse number 17. Then took I the cup at the Lord's hand and made all the nations to drink unto whom the Lord had sent me. Now, verses 18 through, oh my all the way down to verse 26, is a long list of the nations that God would ultimately judge. Now, we know that at the end of the the um, the seven-year tribulation period, when Jesus comes back and 
puts down Antichrist with the word of his power and enters Jerusalem, begins his 1,000-year millennial reign, that there will be the judgment of the nations. In other words, no nobody and no people group gets away with its rebellion against God. And here's a, a presage of that in, in Jeremiah verses 25, verses 18 and following. So look at verse 18. To wit, Jerusalem and the cities of Judah and the kings thereof and the princes thereof to make them a desolation and astonishment and hissing and a curse as it is this day. So interestingly, when the Lord instructs Jeremiah to give this cup of wrath to these nations, it begins with Jerusalem and Judah. Why? Because the principle in 1 Peter is judgment must begin at the house of God. And the person most culpable and most deserving of God's judgment is that person who is most aware of God and most aware of his expectations. Unto whomsoever much is given shall be much required. And so in this list of nations to be judged, God puts his own people first. Every parent knows what I'm talking about. I mean, have you ever discovered your kids, maybe your your kids and their friends, and they were engaged in some kind of wrong behavior. That's always death, you know, when mom and dad stumble in upon we're doing something wrong. And a parent might rebuke every kid, but he's going to seriously rebuke his own children. I remember when I was a teacher in a Christian school and I came into a classroom full of kids that were just misbehaving. My kids were among those So I rebuked the class, but believe me, there was a stiffer rebuke for my own children later on, right? Every parent and every child knows what I'm talking about. Why? Because there's a greater culpability because there was a greater relationship. So he begins with Jerusalem and his own children, verse number 19. Then he says, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all his servants, his princes, all his people, all the mingled people, all the kings of the land of Uz, Remember, that was the place where Job was from. All the kings of the land of the Philistines, uh, including Ashkelon and Azah and Ekron and the remnant of Ashdod, those would be all the cities that are in the news today in Gaza. That was that was ancient Philistia. Edom and Moab, that would be modern-day Jordan. And the children of Ammon, that, that would be, again, modern-day Jordan. Edom down south, Moab about... The, the other side of the Dead Sea, Ammon, a little bit north, but all three of them together comprising modern-day Jordan, the kings of Tyrus, the kings of Zidon, that would be like up in Lebanon, the kings of the isles that are beyond the sea, like Cyprus and others, Dedan and Timah and Buzz and all that are in the utmost corners. This would be some of the, the descendants of Abraham through Keturah and through Ishmael, all the kings of Arabia, all the kings of the mingled people that dwell in the desert, all the kings of Zimri, all the kings of Elam, all the kings of the Mede, of the Medes that would be out now toward Iraq and Iran, and all the kings of the north, far and near, one with another, all the kingdoms of the world, which are upon the face of the earth, and the king of Shishak. So Shishak is not your wife's, you know, clubhouse in the backyard, Shishak, but Shishak is kind of a code name for Babylon, shall drink after them. You say, wow, that's a long list of nations. I don't even know where some of those people are or if they even exist. That's the point. The point is that God knows 
who people are, what they do. God God is the dispenser of and holds the timetable of judgment. And we need to understand that we operate uh, underneath the inspection of a God that knows it all. And that our God has a timetable. I think about Genesis chapter 6 where the Bible says, My spirit shall not always strive with man. And nations need to understand that the way of blessing is always the way of obedience and respect, fear to the, I mean, that's a, a healthy awe and respect for God. Blessed is that nation whose God is the Lord. Verse number 27, real quickly. Therefore thou shalt say unto them, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, drink ye, be drunken, and spew, that means vomit, and fall, and rise no more, because of the sword which I will send among you. The picture is vivid, that there is going to be a falling, there's going to be a judgment, there's going to be shame. I mean, have you ever seen somebody who is respectable and rational, but they get drunk and now they're irrational and now they they can't even walk properly and now they vomit and in the stench and the ugliness of that vomit, they fall. That that's the, that's the picture here. The picture here is that when we're left to ourselves, when we don't do it God's way, it brings shame and destruction. I can't think of a more vivid way to depict that than this. Verse number 28, and it shall be, if they refuse to take the cup at thine hand to drink. People don't want judgment. They don't want to hear the words of God. They don't want the rebuke. Then thou shalt say unto them, thus saith the Lord of hosts, ye shall certainly drink. This is inevitability. For lo, I begin to bring evil on the city which is called by my name. And should ye be utterly unpunished? So when these nations begin to say, but we don't really, you know, deserve this and 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 we don't want this judgment and that they, they try to talk themselves out of it. God says, listen, if I dealt with my own children concerning this, do you think that you're going to be unpunished? Ye shall not be unpunished. For I will call for a sword upon all the inhabitants of the earth, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, I know that sounds really negative today, but understand that our God had given these nations chance after chance and generation after generation. And while we see the, the swift sword of justice in one chapter with all of these, these countries listed, What we don't see is the years and years and years and years and years of forbearance and long-suffering and opportunity. So don't see in one moment of time God in, in a different picture than what we've seen him in a long extent of time. And that is a God that was willing to, a God that was forbearing to wait for them to come to a place of repentance. Uh, to which they never came. So we're going to stop there in verse number 29. We'll jump into verse number 30, a next episode. And I know you'll be there for that. And I do appreciate that. I'll see you there. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. 
If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.